Welcome everyone to the new year and with the new year comes new project briefs. Woo! And if you don't know what a project brief is, it's where I do a little segment on the Boink Radio where I talk about a particular Boink project and uh, it is just in simple terms, what is the Boink project? How's it running? What science is it doing? What will your computer be crunching? All the fun gooey stuff inside the Boink project. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Now, like Cadbury uh, egg. Precisely. <laughs> you have the hard outer coding of the server rack in the server room and the inner GUI mathematics of the Boink project. Oh, this is wonderful. I understand Boink so well now. <laughs> we have all the analogies. <laughs> all right. As usual, save all questions to the end where we can have a little bit of a discussion of anything that people want to talk about. And as usual, we have a question for Jay Ringo. Name your Ooh. favorite model. Um. NCC, oh no, I don't remember it. 2101D, shoot, and 1701. I am so embarrassed. And so, what is that? Is it a protein? <laughs> it's a Star Trek Enterprise. Oh, it's Star it's Trek a, Enterprise. It's the Enterprise, yeah. NCC oh, 1701, I think. Yeah, good choice. Yeah. D, D though, 1701. But that's what you meant by model, right? Well, I was going to say my favorite model is the multiverse model of the universe, but okay. I mean. <laughs> But yeah, today we are talking about cosmology at home. Ah, and, I get it. <laughs> and this project studies models of the universe and tests their validity or how well they might actually represent the universe. This project was started in 2007 and it is run by the, the Departments of Astronomy and Physics at the University of Illinois. And we are not talking about the paddle pop sticks models that you used to make in high school, but in fact, we are talking about cosmological models. Made out of so, paddle pop sticks in high school. Actually, you'd be surprised. Some of the mathematics of some of the like poorer models in the universe almost looked like they were made out of paddle pop sticks of mathematics. Ooh, I can't wait to learn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and so um, it, it is basically what a cosmological model is. It's a set of rules and mathematics that govern a universe. And the reason why I say a universe is because there could be multiple universes. And we don't know that yet. So some models incorporate multiple universes, others don't. And that's what we're exactly trying to figure out with this project. Which models are correct? Which models are sort of correct? Which models are best mapped to our reality? So cosmology at home pretty much simulates models of the universe. It's literally what they say on their, on their, on their site. And their applications will literally go from the start of the universe to present time. So we're talking about from Big Bang to now. Now, um, the simulation basically simulates the universe according to the model. So the model is the mathematics and the universe is the simulation. So you run the mathematics on the simulation and the simulation will progress. As the simulation runs, or at least when the simulation finish, uh, finishes, you take the end result, which is what the universe looks like after the, all the process of simulation and uh, all everything happens, and you compare it to the cosmic microwave background radiation. So for those of you that don't know what the cosmic microwave background radiation is, we're about to get to that with a little uh, fireside story at the campfire of how the universe began. So <laughs> let me tell you how the universe began. Now, our whole universe was in a hot, dense state. <laughs> Anyone get that? Uh, it sounds wonderful and romantic. Call <laughs> me Foxy gets it. I don't get it. It was the, it was the intro to the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> The show. Uh... 
so yes, our universe was in fact in a hot, dense state. And what that means is pretty much at age zero, when the universe just first popped up, or at least as far back as we can go, the universe was literally a singularity. So it's basically a single little point in the universe where literally all the matter and all the mass of all the suns and everything that you can think of was contained in an infinitesimally small space. I know it's hard to imagine, but that's, that's what it was. And it was just about to explode. So once it did explode, uh, within about a trillion, a trillionth of a trillionth of a trillionth of a trillionth of a second after it was born, the universe was almost hotter than Australia at around 10 to the power of 32 degrees Celsius. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and also at that time, like Australia, gravity was all whack and all the forces and electromagnetism, gravity, and then all the nuclear forces were all merged into one. And uh, unfortunately, back then, humans didn't need ground harnesses because it was all gooey and, and hot. So now we need ground harnesses because we actually have gravity separated from all the other forces. <laughs> now, uh, so soon after that little explosion where we had all the forces and everything in a hot goo that was almost hotter than Australia, about a trillionth of a trillionth of a trillionth of a second, and this is quite long in universe time back then, the universe actually started expanding. So this is where we actually got the expansion of the universe into basically what we know today and the great expansion and having such vast amounts of space. So uh, during this time of expansion, something called baryogenesis happened. So you'll probably hear people talking about matter and antimatter everywhere. And we're made of matter, not antimatter. If we were, ma if there was antimatter floating around everywhere, you'd see places exploding, buildings literally crashing to the ground, and gamma radiation going off everywhere. But we don't have that, and the reason we don't have that is because of baryogenesis. What happened was basically the way that the universe expanded; it expanded in a way that there was more matter compared to antimatter. And it's interesting how this works because now we can get into a bit of quantum mechanics. So imagine you have a box and you have a little particle that goes into the box and then something comes out the other end. And inside the box, literally anything can happen. If you know the works of Richard Feynman, you know about Feynman diagrams, literally an infinite possibility of things can happen in that box. So the particle can split into two and then th those particles can split into two and then combine back together and merge back into the same particle. They can do anything just so long as energy and mass is conserved. But the thing is, what if there's a little slit in the side of the box where something can come in? And so this is where baryogenesis happens, is that when the splitting happens inside the box, extra stuff is put in to make extra stuff come out, or at least, in this case, remove much of the antimatter. Uh, so <laughs> for those of you that are a bit more technical-minded, uh, I was explaining how a particle can merge into a particle-antiparticle pair, and then enough energy is, uh, uh, is input into the system to bring it back onto en masse shell, I believe the proper term is, and then one of those particles is discarded or, um, or is actually made into two or something like that as an extra output. So back to, the, <laughs> back to the universe. So once all the baryogenesis happened, once all the matter is here, and once the universe has expanded sufficiently, we now in the present time. And if you look around, it's what we have, but there's one place that we our eyes can't look around, and that's in the microwave spectrum. So, hey, or the microwave oven. Sorry. <laughs> okay, yeah, and we do not advocate people putting their heads into microwave, micro, microwave ovens. 
so please don't do that. But if you look around with microwave telescopes, uh, they usually have a few out uh, in orbiting the Earth, and they've mapped it pretty well. You'll actually find the excess radiation from the Big Bang as it happens. So with all that heat and all that energy expanding, you get this sort of like radiate radiative uh, effect that keeps traveling with the universe, and we can actually pick that up. And that's what the cosmic microwave background is. Now, the reason why it's microwave is because the universe has expanded so long that it's stretched the wave of the energy so much that it's become very, very low powered. So uh, that's why we're seeing microwaves. And if uh, you've probably seen a picture of the cosmic microwave background, even if you aren't really into science, it's like a big blue, green, uh, mostly blue and green and red oval. And it's got like little blobs of crap everywhere. And it looks like, really, it looks pretty awful. But to scientists, <laughs> it's actually very, very interesting. And it's what, um, it's what cosmology at home actually uses to validate whether its simulations are correct. So if you simulate the universe on a macro scale from the Big Bang to now, and you get the same cosmic microwave background radiation, then, hey, you've got a pretty good model. So... Um, uh, let me just read something here. Yep, that's the that's the cosmic microwave background model there. <laughs> so really, what the cosmic microwave background is is it's it basically gives us clues as to how the universe was made. And if you want an analogy, it's like looking at little scraps of cake that are left in the mixing bowl after your brother already put it into the oven. So you can sort of figure out what the cake is made of by looking at it and tasting it. Um, and also probably how it was mixed. Maybe it was mixed in an automatic mixer and so the bowl was pretty clean, or maybe it was mixed by hand and it wasn't really clean. Uh, and uh, really, what we see now around the universe, if you, look, or if you look around, it's that cake that came out of the oven. And the cosmic microwave background are those scraps in the mixing bowl. So the, what the scientists are after is actually how it was made, what was put into it. So the ingredients and the mixing process. So now into a bit more of the technical side of the project. The aim of the project is to really create data sets of universes that can be used to validate models. So um, the, the computers that uh, your computer at home will probably take a particular model, simulate the universe, and then change the parameters about a bajillion times and keep simulating those universes to generate a data set. Now with those data sets, Cosmology at Home is actually now using AI, or at least working to use AI to compare the models, to compare all the data sets and see whether the models are actually valid. Pick the best model, the best simulation out of that data set and hand it straight to scientists. So, um, yeah, the reason why we have millions of models is because some, so not only do you have to say that, oh, gravity is this and the gravity, um, this is the effect. Say that the strength of gravity is this, the reach of claims and so it's really, really, there's plenty of possible models out there, and that's why we need a whole lot of computers to get this stuff done. So that brings us to the end of uh, the main part of the project brief. Cosmology at Home is CPU only, and it runs on Linux and Windows. Uh, now we can go on to a little discussion, and uh, if you have any questions, feel free to put them in the chat, or you can just talk about them in here. Wait, so I didn't learn anything about how to do my hair. <laughs> so Explain I got a few one. Bugs in daily life. Yeah, I got a I got a question for you. How does this affect my day to day? 
like does it even or is this just one of those like foundational things who knows what we're gonna find and how it's gonna change things maybe we'll invent velcro again or something like that well really uh, this field is really highly theoretical because we literally don't have time machines and we can't go back in time Speak and yourself, honestly mate. i've I wouldn't go back in time to literally a trillionth of a trillionth of a trillionth of a second in the universe because you'd be squashed and you'd be burnt instantly. Mm. So um, one thing that can come out of this, and one thing I don't really hear scientists talk about that much, is looking to the future. What will happen to the universe? Because humans love predictability and they love a good puzzle. They hate it when things don't go their way. So... Uh, if we can find a way to predict the future of the universe based on one of these models, then that's pretty good. That That's phenomenal. The, the, the amount of stuff that we can do from that is amazing. We can literally predict parts of the universe which would have, uh, pro- probably predict parts of the universe that have life or parts that don't or parts that have uh, loads more resources and parts that don't. Oh, that's interesting. So what you're saying is like if we can model the universe, we can find – Parts of the universe that just are are too dense, too hot to even develop planets or stars, and uh, or at least uh, cross, predict, yeah, at least predict. Uh, and, and like with a high degree of certainty, maybe cross them off our list of where to point our radio telescopes when we're using SETI to listen to for ET or something. Yeah, and uh, that's actually a pretty that's a pretty good uh, example too, because if the if a model of the universe can actually tell you where life might be, then yeah, we can point a telescope into parts where life might be. That's really cool. Also, I mean, I, w- I would just crunch it. I've crunched this project a little bit before. I don't currently, but uh, just because it's fascinating stuff. Like um, Leonard Susskind is a, uh, what did he do? I think it's string theory. I don't remember. But there's so many good YouTubes out there of cosmetologists. I think I said that right. Talking about the theory of the universe, where it's going, how they're doing it, and the math they use. It's freaking wild. I would recommend anyone interested in this stuff, crunch this project and continue your research on YouTube because there's a lot of interesting, (laughs) creative, brilliant people out there. Right. We do have a question in the chat now. Sackpop asks, I'm curious if you can see any direct real-world applications. And really, the only real-world application at present time would be just validating a theory. So some scientists came up with a hypothesis. They validated their model based off of the data set from Cosmology at Home. And their theory is now either valid or probable or invalid. Wait, uh, apologies if I missed this, if you said this. But uh, so can anyone use this project? Can people just submit like theories to this project and then the people who run the project will set it up? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's really well, cool. In reality, they just have a whole bunch of data sets, and obviously you'll have to work with Cosmology at home to uh, figure out the exact technicalities of it, but really, they they take models from pretty much anywhere. Neat. A lot of projects, for those who don't know, are um, like self-run, so you'll be a uh, a chemical mechanist. Is that a thing? I don't know. But (laughs) you have a problem, and you set up your project to solve your problem. So every once in a while, I, I mean, getting this project that's just like a bunch of people who will s- really work with you and set up, uh, give you access to a giant distributed supercomputer uh, is pretty novel, pretty pretty interesting. And since 2007, too. 
Yeah, and obviously you can't just walk up to the project and say, hey, I have an idea that the universe is made from really tiny microscopic bears called Craig and they pull this like little <laughs> lever every now and then to make things go. You have to actually have a paper and all the mathematics laid out. Uh, maybe he is a tardigras. He's like a little space pig, <laughs> space bear. Um, I think we also have another question. Uh, since they're starting AI research, are they adding GPU processing anytime soon? Uh, I think from what I read on the project, the AI is not actually run on the computers, but it's run on their end. And the reason why it's run on their end is they want to select the best model out of the data set. And they use an AI to do that. And they're training their own AI and doing it on site. But you never know, they might be outsourcing that to the actual Boink community. So you might be training the AI for cosmology at home soon. <laughs> uh, and I think we also have one more question. Uh, does this rely on any specific uh, physic, uh, physics theories, uh, such as M-theory, uh, or is this much more generalist? It really works with any theory. So if you have a cosmological model, you're able to test it, build the data set, and do all the funky stuff. Again, it is highly theoretical. Theoretical physics comes into play in this all the time. Um, there's a lot of mathematics. That's it's really much what I can say there. And Vitaly st uh, says that we still can't predict the weather for even tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So. I mean, it, I do I do a bit of meteorology here and there. I can tell you that it's much more volatile in the summer, and it's a lot more predictable in the winter. Anyway, I think that's it. <laughs> so thank you all for joining. This is the first Project Brief of 2021, and hopefully we can find some really interesting projects this year. So if you have any recommendations, let me know during the Boink Radio or even in the project briefs, because I'm literally going week to week wondering which project I'm going to do next. <laughs> have a good one. Bye.